Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big. Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. Rising Strong by Dr. Brene Brown, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. We are most active on Twitter, so follow hashtag BigStrongYes for discussions and announcements. You can follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich, and you can follow me at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at bsy at chipperish.com. Yes, and if you are a Patreon supporter, we have a Big Strong Yes chat room on Discord where, you know, Kelly and I hang out there a little bit, but God, I got to tell you, the big value of that is all the other people who are going through this journey. I go in there and the stuff that they're sharing is amazing and wonderful and beautiful and raw and vulnerable, and it's just the most amazing community of people. So if you are a Patreon supporter, definitely, you know, um, get your Discord going. It's intimate. It's private just to the Patreon supporters who go into that room and you know as we've often said you can go over 140 characters it's hard to do that on Twitter so <laughs> join us at patreon.com slash chipperish yes and thank you to everyone for supporting the show and for playing along with us online the graphics that you make your comments your tweets your interpretation of the text and the way that you build on what we say in the show means so much to us. So if you enjoy Big Strong Yes and you think other people would like to listen too, please give us a review on the Apple Podcast app because this is the very best way to help other people find the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely been like a a small but passionate audience, you know, like I have never seen this much activity um, from an audience that is kind of this, this intimate and this small, and I kind of love it. It's sort of perfect, you know, so magical, but definitely share it with other people. Okay, the reading we are discussing today is Big Magic Part 2, Enchantment from an Idea Arrives Through a Little Perspective. Last week, we said we'd be reading all of part two this week but we kind of goofed it up we're doing half of part two this week the other half next week so if you read the whole thing you're ahead of the game and that's awesome but if you didn't then that'll be fine. You can just hang out with us and do the first half now. We'll do the second half next week. Um, Next week's reading is Big Magic Part 2, Enchantment, From Ownership Through to a Dazzled Heart. So go to chipperish.com and search Big Strong Yes Schedule to find all the information about what we're reading and when, and we're going to do the same so that we get it right whenever we tell you what we're going to read. Sorry about that. No, I have to say, though, I have never read a book in my life where the chapter titles and the section headings were so gorgeous. I know. So even even if we have to change around the, the reading order, because, you know, whimsy and caprice. Oh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so much fun to say them out loud. <laughs> it is. It's really fun. And this book has been amazing. I got to say, I've been listening to the audiobook, and I just keep listening to it over and over and Me over too. again, because it's, it's so incredibly wonderful to focus on creativity you know and there's so much about what elizabeth gilbert does like there's stuff that she says that i've been saying in my classes for such a long Mm -hmm. time and so it feels like i've met a new friend it feels like yes she gets it she understands i've been saying this stuff so much of this stuff for so long and thought i was the only one you know, who saw it that way. So to go into big magic and to hear her say things that I have been thinking feels like this just, it's just an exercise in validation, you know, and I love that. 
And for me, it's like an exercise in hope because she says things are true that I desperately want to be true. They're true. And listening to, <laughs> listening to her read the audiobook, mm-hmm. you know, her voice is enchanting. And, oh, and just, yeah. You know, the connection she has with this work is so wonderful. And mm-hmm. so, like, I listen to the audio and get lost in it and can't take any notes. And then I go back to the book and mark it up. And then I'm like, I want to go listen again. <laughs> I know. I do. I've been so, like, immersed in this book. You know, and I keep yeah. listening to it over and over again. There's only one part of the book. That I can't listen to. We'll talk about that when we get there. But ah. um, but yeah, there's one part of the book where I'm like, nope, nope, not into that. Um, oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> oh, it'll be obvious once we get there. Um, <laughs> but it's been so much fun and it's been, oh God, it's been so great. But I have to say like uh, so much of what we're talking about, even in, in Big Magic, has been reflecting back on like the very personal things that I've had to process through with Rising Strong. So it's still like, I was so worried that once we got to Big Magic, I would stop all this progress. But every week she gives me something that I'm using in different ways, you know, which has been really, really wonderful. Me too, which (laughs) you're going to hear in a reflection in a little bit, but (laughs) I am just, yeah. (laughs) so as always though when you engage deeply with a text it's always about more than the text oh yeah yeah it is so speaking of engaging with text Mm -hmm. we do this through homework sure how did your homework go this week Oh, well, the homework was to to make a joy list, right? And mm-hmm. the thing is that I'm I'm really like connected with this idea of joy and finding the joy, but I'm I'm finding joy to be somewhat inaccessible to me. Like the things that give me joy ordinarily are not doing the job quite as much. Like reading and knitting, watching a great show on TV, it just I'm not getting the the joy out of it that I used to get. And I think part of that is, you know, because of the trauma, because of everything that's been going on, it's been really, really hard for me to find that. Um, I do find, though, that my work is still, like, a serious source of joy. It may be the only like really effective source of joy for me now, you know, and it's both like the work that I do at work, even though this is the day job and this is the stuff that's supposed to be like boring and whatever. I find it is such a wonderful compliment to the creative side of things that it actually Mm -hmm. makes me, it makes the creativity easier, you know? So, and I love, I love my work because I'm, I'm surrounded by family. I moved my office, so I've got a new office, which I'm Yay! so excited about because my last office, I swear to God. Did I tell this story on the podcast before? No, How I don't was, think so. It was wedged right between well, – Kelly's heard this a number of times because it's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, I had this office that was wedged between – on one side, I had the men's bathroom, right? Yeah. And it was constantly like door open, door shut, door open, door shut, door open, door shut. And I don't know what the hell was up with that. I didn't hear the toilet flushing, just door open, door shut, door open, door shut, and it made me – crazy. Then on the other side of my office was the music recording studio, which we have a lot of people, you know, in in the school. It's a communication school. They have a music program. Um, And people are, you know, recording bands in there and there's drums and there's music. And then on the third wall was the graduate assistant office. And the graduate assistants are great. That's where they meet with their students and all this kind of stuff. But they also like yelled at each other a lot. And I don't know why. (laughs) They were just constantly constantly yelling at each other. And it was like, oh, my God, I can't even take it. And then they put up a dartboard on the wall (laughs) that is with my wall. So they were throwing darts. And it was just thump, thump, 
thump, thump constantly while I was trying to work. So I went over across and I was like the cranky lady that's like, get off my lawn. I went in there and I was like, hey, you know what? I have an office on the other side of this thing, you know? So finally I, I got in touch with the, the woman who I've known for a really long time who, who, you know, basically assigns the office. And I was like, look, I go, I know it'll be a while and that's totally fine. I said, but all I need, I said, I don't need a big office because I had a really big office, you know? I don't need a big space. I don't need anything. I'm like, I just need quiet, like a corner of five by five cell in the basement. I will take it, you know? Yeah. And she emailed me back. She's like, I have exactly the office for you. And I was like, no way. And it was it's like been newly renovated. I'm the first person to be in the office, but it's down in the basement and it's, you know, it's in this little, it's, it's smaller than the office that I had and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I love it. It's perfect. So we moved in there and I have loved it every minute since. So I'm <laughs> feeling really, really great about that. So anyway, all of this to say that the work and the stuff that I'm doing for Chipperish, I started the Outlander podcast, you know, and I'm still doing the, the other, you know, work, the house story works and the still pretty podcast when I when I can do it because I'm finding myself yeah. a little overcommitted um, and a little overwhelmed, but I'm still like really getting joy out of the work. And now the, the day job is even better because I've got a new office and I finally got my new computer. So everything is perfect at the day job. I love it. And I'm surrounded by people I love too. Well, you went from the Bermuda triangle of noise mm -hmm. to like a nice peaceful place. Yes. But it's wonderful that you have had and been able to maintain this lifelong love affair with your work. Yeah, it really is like the the one true love of my life. You know, I, I love the work that I do and I get to work with students, which is one of the things that that was kind of an apology. You know, when I was going up for the job, they were like, well, you know, you're going to have to work with students. And I was like, I love working with students. <laughs> so I have all these students and I'm so excited every time they write a story for me or they get their pictures up. I, you know, put a little shout out in our Slack group and I'm like, hey, so and so got their pictures put up and da da da, you know. And, um, and I love teaching them. I love teaching them how to write. I love teaching yeah. them how to do this stuff. And it's, it's really been a lot of fun. So, so I'm still getting a fair amount of joy out of those things, but it's just the, the regular, like all the stuff that I used to do that I used to really like love, mm -hmm. I'm not feeling it, you know? And, um, and so it's been, it's been really hard for me to, to get the joy list, but, but one night this week, um, I wrote out the joy list and I was like, okay, my joy list is writing fiction. It's reading, it's knitting, it's teaching, it's new things and it's mm -hmm. variety. Like those are the things that give me joy. And then as soon as I was done, I was like, you know what? Writing fiction. I love writing. I love doing that work. And I haven't really done it in such a long time because of everything else. I had so many other responsibilities. So, um, I went into the book and I spent two hours on Saturday night just going through the first couple of scenes and I cut so much. Like it's been such a long time since I've looked at it. So it's, it's had time to cool. Like we were talking about before. Right. right. Um, so it's had time to cool and I, I went into it and I tightened that up and man, that opening scene is so much better than it was. It's oh, so, so strong. It's so much tighter. It's really good. I had a great time doing that on Saturday night. And I'm like, you know, I got to find this time to write because the writing is still joyful for me. And you're and so I want to reconnect with that you're oh, so thank you. good at it you know thank you you know it's just yeah. it's it's the thing I love doing it yeah. so so I need to do that and that's my joy list um those are the things even though some of them I'm finding it hard to to enjoy them the way that I used to I'm I'm trying to have some faith 
that that joy will come back that like you know like something that you inflate like it inflates in stages you know and you have to kind of wait so yeah yeah but I I don't know how about you how was your joy my homework had two parts I was supposed to write a joy list and spend 20 minutes a day romancing my creativity. Awesome. So I thought the joy list was going to be easy and the romancing was going to be hard. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) So I had to start with defining my terms, which led to this, you know, intellectual struggle of what is the difference between joy and happiness? Mm -hmm. So I came up with something, but I would love to hear other people's thoughts on this. So... What I have is happiness is external to you. It's future oriented and it's transitory. It's wonderful in the moment, but it's like smoke and it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. Joy is internal, consistent. It's not dependent on other people. If you want to call it our essence or our soul, you can. We always have access to it and other emotions can be felt on top of it, which is why we can still grieve and know joy. Mm -hmm. So joy is the love of life. And the love of being connected to life. Then this makes it a state of mind. And um, in looking for this, I found a definition by Danielle Laporte that I Mm -hmm. really love. She said, happiness is like rising bubbles, delightful and inevitably fleeting. But joy is oxygen and it's ever present. Oh, Oh, and I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I like that. And um, (laughs) research says that meditation can help us tap into both happiness and joy. But... I'm terrible, (laughs) terrible at it because my brain will not shut up ever. (laughs) However, (laughs) I do a sort of meditation with music. um, And when I do this, the music is loud and it's loud enough to drown out my brain. Mm -hmm. And it, it does bring me a sense of joy. So instead of going wide with the joy list and adding as many things as I could think of, I decided to go deep and just think about music. So I've always been kind of a musical creature. I used to play the piano. I was a ballerina like a million years ago. And I would sell the soul of a few people that I don't like (laughs) for the ability to sing. (laughs) So like passion for singing, I have. Talent, I don't. You know, even the basic ability to stay on key. Like any key. (laughs) No, seriously, me too. Oh, man. (laughs) But I love music. Like many styles, lyrical prose, poetry, and orchestra, to Southern rock and pop hits on the radio. Like my love is deep, abiding, and boundless. But it was it was funny to think of this because you know philosophers ponder the creation of music because there's a rhythm to everything in life. Mm-hmm. We sway and tap and dance without ever being taught how. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, music takes us out of the actual and whispers to us dim secrets that startle our wonder as to who we are. And I love that. (laughs) Emerson is serious, man. I like Emerson. I love Emerson Mm -hmm. so much. So being more cognizant of the joy of music, being more appreciative of it is helping. Mm -hmm. So for now, music is pretty much the joy list. Um, (laughs) But in the same vein, I see very little difference between joy and poetry, so poetry is on the list too. Oh, between joy and poetry, or between music yeah. and poetry. Music and poetry. Okay. So poetry reads like music for me, mm-hmm. and I love it with a kind of sentimental romanticism. I would usually deny and push far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we are post rising strong here. So That's true. Not anymore. <laughs> so I have done twenty minute sessions of practicing the piano 
very badly, trying <laughs> to learn again. And I have done 20 minute sessions of being sort of the poetry slut. <laughs> I have gone to bed with a different poet every night. <laughs> and lingered over a few passionate coffee breaks with them too. <laughs> so Pablo Neruda, E.E. E. Cummings, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Rumi, Walt Whitman, and William Blake. And it's been kind of sublime. Awesome. So I love I got, it. I got nothing but love for homework this week. <laughs> I love you being a poetry slut. I think that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> handle that. <laughs> so what about you? What were your reflections this past week? God, you know, I was talking about how these ideas, you know, even though it is written and developed with this, um, you know, with this idea of creativity in mind that we're not doing rising strong, we're not doing this like self-help, pull yourself out of your trauma thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gilbert's anthropomorphization of concepts and ideas has been incredibly helpful to me personally. I've actually imagined this gremlin, you know, mm-hmm. that I have that when I start to brood, I just pass the bad thoughts off to the gremlin and the gremlin sucks them up like smoke. You know, Mm -hmm. like I visualize just sucking those, those like the poison, like sucking the poison out after you've had a snake bite Yeah, because the brooding doesn't help me. It's not valuable to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so when the gremlin, when I imagine this gremlin and he sucks those, those like poisonous thoughts out, it leaves me free. It leaves me free to pursue the things I want to pursue, to think about the things that I want to think about rather than wallow in loss and anger and grief, you know? Um, so even though it's not really about creativity, it has been so incredibly helpful. This this way that she has of, of externalizing and anthropomorphizing like everything, you know, which yeah. is something that I wouldn't ordinarily do. You know, I wouldn't ordinarily think of it that way. Mm-hmm. But it has been so, like, so unbelievably valuable to me. And it has worked, which I didn't think it was going to do. I talked to my therapist about it last week. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, build this gremlin. Because, like, the first day, I talked to her, like, a couple of hours after I came up with the idea, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to, like, you know, have this gremlin. I'm going to do this thing, you know. And she was like, okay, you know, okay. Let's, let's see how it goes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's been really incredibly valuable so I mean I know that's not about creativity but um but I gotta say like it's been it's been a week now and I'm I'm really liking it if it opens you up and gives you more creative energy then Mm -hmm. I think it is about creativity and you know what I think it may well be so how about you what were your reflections this week so I have two (laughs) the first I'm gonna make kind of funny the second (laughs) Sort of just going to be like dancing naked in front of all y'all. So Mm. here we go. (laughs) So first, um, the anthropomorphization has been helpful for me too. Yeah. So tucking little inner demons into the backseat of my car with audiobooks of their very own or lining them up on the couch with pretend coloring books and crayons. They can stay busy while I romance my creativity. (laughs) Awesome. And I have learned you can work in one hell of a love affair in 20 minutes. If your demons are well and truly distracted. <laughs> so it sounds a little silly, but it's helping. <laughs> but the second reflection, mm-hmm. the one I wrote and deleted and then added back, is much more personal and embarrassing. Oh. And apologies in advance because it's a little bit rambly. <laughs> but rumbling with the idea of heartache killing creativity has brought me to a sort of amazing place. 
and to the idea of a wave story. So stepping away from the book for a minute, I want to talk about love. I've had two major relationships in my life. One left me with a shattered heart and the other left me deeply traumatized. The first gave me a sense of what love might be, but the second, while giving me more scars than I can sometimes carry, also gave me my son, who is the true love of my life. And reflecting on this has been painful past the degree I can express, but having friends like you share in the unburdening of those stories and lifting my heart has healed me in a way I didn't know was possible. The power of receiving this kind of love from friends, this is big magic. So, while I thought I had had two great love affairs in my life, it is well past time to define my fucking terms. And the real word for them is toxic relationships. And it has been incredibly inspiring to reframe (laughs) this. So, I needed a new word. (laughs) A, A way to reframe a story of a relationship that might have felt like love, but wasn't. A word for the stories that led to my towerings. So a couple of friends shared poetry with me this week, and I found the idea I needed in one of those poems. Rainer Maria Rilke, writing about the darkness that happens in a parting after a relationship, said, Waving, now already unrelated to me, a sight continuing wave. And it brought to me the idea of a wave story. So if you're standing on the shore during a tempest, you can get caught up by a wave, be carried out, tossed around, come close to drowning, and then find yourself hurled back on the shore, bruised and broken. But y'all, that's not love. Love exists further out in the ocean, out so deep that the waters are calm and you can see the ocean and the sky around you instead of just the wave that's rocking you. So I have reframed these not real love stories of mine as wave stories. So with this reframing of heartbreak and opening back up to creativity has come a rediscovered love of poetry. The big, sloppy, wet kiss kind. (laughs) I put poetry away a long time ago, but the second I called for it, it came right back to me and it has brought me nothing but joy. So this has also been true for my love of music and now I am intentionally seeking joy through music. These things have sort of integrated and stirred in me to form a new image of my creative fingerprint because I was so worried about that, (laughs) you know, Mm because Gilbert's is, you know, that beautiful light kind of, you know, fingerprint and mine isn't, it's still dark. That's different, but that's okay. We talked about that. Yeah. So (laughs) I will never be a filtered light, golden glittery sort of girl (laughs) While that fingerprint is tinged in darkness, it leaves a lyrical sort of mark. There's a rhythm from poetry and music in it, and for now, I'm finding peace with that. Oh, my God. I think that is amazing. I love the idea of the wave story. I think that's brilliant. I kind of like it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it can apply to more than just a romantic relationship. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Wow. I'm impressed. (laughs) That's a... That's a lot of big work. And that is a tough thing. That is an easy thing, you know, for you to do, like for you to kind of come to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with that. I think that's incredible. Well, thank you. And thank you for your help getting me there and to the yeah. friends that are helping and providing that love and support. Like I'm mm-hmm. just so grateful. Oh, so. that's incredible. Yeah. So enough about Kelly. <laughs> so <laughs> can we talk about the reading? <laughs> sure. We could talk about the reading. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Uh, Let's start with An Idea Arrives. 
So, um, she talked about the physical manifestation of inspiration, mm-hmm. that it actually brings a physical feeling. Yeah. And this is another one of those areas where I hold my breath. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have to stop holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> but learning that inspiration has physical feelings just like emotions do, yeah. you know, calling back to rising strong um, is a really good concept for me. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, no, I definitely know that feeling of inspiration, you know, and I don't, when it happens, I'm so focused on catching it, writing it down, you know, going with it that I don't ever think about like the way that, you know, I had to think about how does shame present in my body? How does Mm -hmm. sadness present in my body? How does grief present? How does anger present? You know, how inspiration presents is something I've never even thought about. Cause when it happens, I run with it, you know, I'm like, Oh, you're here. And I run, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that that is, you know, I mean, that is a really kind of interesting thing to have a consciousness of, of how it physically feels when inspiration arrives, because while I don't think of inspiration as necessarily an emotion, mm-hmm. I think it does present in a similar way to emotion. I think yeah. it, it enters you, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think your body knows it's there before you know it's there. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to be open to that. Like, yeah, you know, it's like this, I don't know if it's the the chills on your arm or the tapping yeah. on your shoulder. Like I still haven't been able to articulate what it feels like, but I can acknowledge that there is a feeling. Oh, it's just that excitement. Like for yeah. me, it oh, is yeah. this, it's this moment of, um, of it's exhilaration. When inspiration arrives, it's exhilaration. It is so thrilling, you know, and it's like, oh my God, you're here. Yay. You know, (laughs) and you kind of run with it, you know, and the thing is that, you know, one of the things that I've been teaching for years is this idea of the discovery process, right? You know, you build a soundtrack, you make a collage, you know, you do all of these things. And what that is, is it is a call to inspiration. It is a whistle that Mm -hmm. says, I'm here. I am open come find me. And I find that inspiration will come to you if you call it, you know, unlike a cat, which will never come to you if you call it. (laughs) But inspiration will, you know, Um, and I've been teaching that for years. And I think that this is a thing like inspiration feels like this magical thing. And there's so many times in creativity where you're like, well, I'm not inspired now, so I'm not going to do it. But if you if you sit down with the thing, you know, even and in, in, in writing, you know, I teach this this discovery process. You know, it's where you stare out the window and you think about the story and you figure out where it's going and you kind of come up with the ideas and all that kind of stuff. And the collage is a huge part of that. It calls your creativity to you. Building the soundtrack is a huge part of that. It calls your creativity to you. Building the the environment in which you intend to write calls mm-hmm. the creativity to you. And I think that this would apply to any creative pursuit, whatever it is. If you're looking for inspiration, you don't have to wait for it to land on you. You can whistle for it. You know, there are a number of things that you can do to whistle for it. And sometimes whistling for it is just going into the work. You know, like right. I went into this this novel that I've abandoned for the last year, <laughs> you know, um, I went back into it. And I as soon as I went there, like that inspiration was there and it was ready to kind of walk me through going through the beginning of the story. And the story has has changed. I wrote it. At a time, it's it's funny because the story is actually really talks about abusive relationships. And when I started writing it, I was in one, didn't realize it, you know, but yet I find these things that I said while writing it 
that I was speaking to me, you know? Yeah, you were and now I go back, yeah. right? Now I go back and I see them, and I'm like, oh my god! Like there's mm-hmm. there's so much stuff in this book that I didn't realize I needed, and now I know, you know, that it's me talking to me, mm-hmm. and it's it's really an interesting thing. But I love this idea that that Elizabeth Gilbert comes up um, with in in Big Magic, of course, this anthropomorphization of the idea, right? Right. That it is it is a, a, a living conscious thing that comes and visits you, and if you don't have time for it, man, it'll run off to somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually find that to be such a liberating idea, you know. Um, this this idea that that this inspiration will come and visit you, and if you can't do it if you if you're working on something else if you just don't have the time for it or whatever that that idea will find manifestation somewhere else there's this wonderful moment where she says on page 37 i always try to use my most gracious manners when sending an idea away you don't want word getting around the universe that you're difficult to work with this is when she <laughs> sends the idea off to barbara king solver right you know yeah. and i absolutely love that approach because ideas will come to you and i have found that my ideas are incredibly faithful Um, even when I ignore them, you know, for a while, the way that Elizabeth Gilbert did. And so her idea ran off, right. Mm -hmm. You know, but, um, but even when I ignore them for a while, they still tend to be there for me when I'm ready for them. The ideas that find me and that attach to me have been, unlike the men in my life, incredibly faithful. (laughs) (laughs) A love story um, of a woman and her work. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) No, a love story about a woman and her work. This is my thing, man. You know, I love that. And, um, and so I feel like I, I've had this, this incredible luck. Like when I went back into this book after so long having ignored it, um, it, it came back to me. It was just there for me. You know, it, it was just yeah. waiting and it was like, Hey, you're here. Let's go. Let's play. You know? <laughs> and it was incredibly awesome. But I like this idea that she has about, you may have to say no, you know, and yeah. most people, she's like most people, what is it? Page 38. So you might have to say no. When you say no, nothing happens at all. Mostly people say no. Most of their lives, most people just walk around day after day saying no, 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 no. Then again, someday you might say yes. And then you get to dance. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love I love that oh God, what I love about Elizabeth Gilbert and what I'm learning so much from her, not just creatively but personally, is this idea that it's okay. Like if yeah. you say no, if you literally cannot do it, if you say no for any reason other than fear, you know, right. um, for any reason other than than you're afraid of something that's outcome oriented or that whatever we went through that last week, you know, then that's OK that this idea will hop over to somebody else and somebody else will pick it up and be able to run with it and give it the life that it needs. You know, yeah. so um, so I love that that pressure is taken off and that you can look at it and say, you know, OK, this is. This is my idea. This is the thing I want to do. This is the story I want to tell. And when you are available to tell that story, it's like being available for a romance. You know, when you're married, when you're with somebody, when you're whatever, you're not available unless you're an asshole like my ex-husband. And then you go and have an affair. Um, But when you're not available, you're not available and you say no. But the thing is, when you are available, when you're open, when when those opportunities come in, then you can dance with it you can, you're free to do this thing. And I, I kind of, 
I love the way that takes the pressure off that you, it's okay to say no to some ideas because you're in the middle of other things. You can let them go and somebody else will, will realize them, you know? Um, and the idea of the idea as a, a conscious living thing, I just found so incredibly charming. Yeah, me too. On, um, on page 34, Mm -hmm. she said, creativity is a force of enchantment. And I was like, can I just say amen? I know. (laughs) I love it. So, you know, ideas as life forms that are seeking creative dance partners just lights Mm -hmm. my heart up. Yeah. And, um, but I think so much of this comes to the idea of opening or, you know, being open Mm -hmm. to receiving ideas and then also being open to saying what it is that you want. Yeah. You know, and on page 36, she said, when an idea comes, it will ask, do you want to work with me? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like a gift, you yeah. know, and, and I struggle with ideas of giving and receiving, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm trying not to be resistant to the idea of opening to yeah. receiving inspiration, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure I'm giving back, you know, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> so it was kind of an interesting way to go into what she says happens when you say no, mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been trying to keep all the ideas, like, right. all mm-hmm. the potential stories stored up in my head or in notebooks or on the hard drive and god the poor things like they must be (laughs) suffocating so I kind of want to get all of them together you know like pour everybody in the living room give Mm -hmm. them all a glass of wine and be like all right y'all who still wants to work with me Mm -hmm. and then just like shower them with affection and attention Mm. you know but but the ones that don't want to then I need to be able to wish them well on their way and I'm fine with them finding other dance partners because Life is too short to stick around and wait for someone who can't dance with you in the way that you want to dance. Mm-hmm. But I really loved what she says happens when you say yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was great. Yeah. So on page 38, she said, saying yes is entering into a contract with inspiration. And enough with the tormented artist, because in the end, this is all about the work. Yes. Mm-hmm. A different way is to cooperate fully, humbly, and joyfully with inspiration. And I wrote in the book, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. She goes on this whole thing about the tormented artist, right? Which mm-hmm. is something we're so familiar with. This idea that like, I have this creativity and it's costing me my soul, but I give myself up to it because of blah, blah, blah. And it's all about this idea, this playing a role as opposed to like being really in the thing, you know, you're yeah. playing the role of the tormented artist. And I love this on page 40. She says, I've always had the sense that the muse of the tormented artist while the artist himself is throwing temper tantrums is sitting quietly in the corner of the studio buffering his fingernails patiently waiting for the guy to calm down and sober up so everyone can get back to work yes and i love love that i mean i love that this whole thing where she's like sure you can get drunk every night and you can make yourself miserable and torment everybody else or you can dance you know and i love that for me, all roads lead back to Buffy. Oh, sure. And so when I was thinking about this, I said, all right, tormented artist, angel. Right. Mm-hmm. Brood the day away, baby. Brood <laughs> the day away. And God help you if you dance because you might lose your soul. Exactly. You know, like, grow up, right? But saying yes and dancing simply for the joy of it, that's yeah. Spike. No, that is Spike. That, that is absolutely spike. is. Yes. You know? So, yes. Team Spike. <laughs> team Spike. No, I've always been Team Spike. So, reading this was like, 
you know, just, just riding along on this mm-hmm. wonderful road of inspiration. And then she turns around and like smacks me down <laughs> hard. <laughs> so on page 41, she said, battle your demons instead of battling your gifts. Mm-hmm. And like Elizabeth Gilbert is a goddess. And I, <laughs> I realized that I have been battling my creative gifts as if they were ill-intentioned invaders. Yeah. God almighty, enough of that shit. Right. (laughs) Creativity. This is me talking to you. I apologize for resisting your every attempt to seduce me. (laughs) By all means, bring it on. (laughs) Come back. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Just whistle for it. Like I said, your creativity has a big crush on you. You know, your creativity will always come back. It will always come find you. As soon as it knows that you're ready to play, you know, it'll be there. Yeah, and I think playing has a lot to do with it. Yeah. That's also something I'm really bad at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm learning, I'm relearning how to play. Yeah. Oh, God. But I love what she goes into. I mean, she talks so much about this discovery process, about how, you mm-hmm. know, you go into the research. And she was, you know, doing this 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 uh, novel about the Amazon, right? And she was getting yeah. all this stuff together and figuring everything out. And, um, and I love that discovery process because the discovery process, when you engage in that, you know, that's when your creativity is like, oh, you're serious. All right, you're going to go to the library. You must be serious. You know, you <laughs> must... I mean this back in the day when you couldn't just Google everything, but you actually go to a yeah. library and like get out books and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I loved that that whole story, that yeah. whole, you know, she had this this, you know, story about the Amazon and she, you know, and then her life got upended. You know, mm-hmm. she ended up writing the the memoir Committed about marriage um, and, and marrying her uh, her her guy at the time who had been uh, had been, you know, deported from the country and they couldn't get him back in until they got married. It was a whole thing. If you haven't read Committed, go ahead and read it. It's a really interesting, uh, interesting meditation on the the concept and institution of marriage. Um, but uh, but she went through this whole thing and like her life intervened and the novel just sat there. And while it sat there, it found somebody else, you know. Um, And this is the thing. She says on page 48, this is the other side of the contract with creativity. If inspiration is allowed to unexpectedly enter you, it is also allowed to unexpectedly exit you. And I find that interesting because I have never had, no, I had this experience once, you know, and I love this too, where she goes on this idea about, uh, about you could think you've been robbed. You could think that somebody had stolen your idea or stolen your thing or whatever, you know? Um, but, uh, but when I was in college, I started writing this, um, this story, this screenplay about, um, about a young girl who, uh, goes on a cross country trip with her grandmother in a red, um, convertible car like mm-hmm. and that's all I remember about it you know and then I never did anything with it and then like a couple of years later there was this movie with I think it was Jessica Tandy and like Bridget Fonda or something like that called Camille mm-hmm. right hmm. about a young girl who goes on a cross-country trip with her grandmother in a red convertible car <laughs> <And I was laughs> like, <laughs> so 
I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> as specific as, you know, the experience between Elizabeth Gilbert and Ann Patchett in this example. Right. But it is one of those things where I was like, wow. And, and, you know, at the time I was like, did I send that to anybody? Did they steal my idea? Was that, cause that seemed a little bit specific, you know? And, um, and then like, you know, I never really thought about it again cause it doesn't matter. You just go on and do other things, you know? Um, and then I, but I love this where she came to with, with Ann Patchett, you know, that, that this is not a genre people. This is right. <laughs> you know, this, uh, you know, uh, stories about middle-aged spinsters in love with their bosses who go to the Amazon for hair brain scheme and, you know, and their yeah. life gets turned upside down. <laughs> like this whole idea that this is not a genre, this is not something that just happens. Like this was so specific. And, you know, and the funny thing is, um, is that honestly, while she's telling this story, as much as I trust Elizabeth Gilbert, I'm like, all right, where's the evidence? Like, what is it? Like, <laughs> this is just too perfect of, you know, of a little anecdote for it to be absolutely true. And I question everything, especially this idea that it was transferred in a kiss, you know? <laughs> okay. I love you so much right now. And the irony of what I'm about to tell you yeah. is, is not lost on me. Okay. Because... You are supposed to be the lover here, and I am supposed to be the cynic. Yes. All right? But <laughs> when she describes the transfer of the idea through the kiss on page 55, it is my favorite passage of I the love entire it. book. Oh, yeah. And. <laughs> That's big magic. So it I really tell- is. <laughs> so a few months ago, I got to see Elizabeth Gilbert perform. Uh-huh. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Life-changing, awe-inspiring, heart-filling, mm-hmm. amazing. And I brought two friends with me, and their job was to keep me in the middle mm-hmm. and keep me seated mm-hmm. <laughs> because my brain was scheming, and I am plotting my way past security with bail money on me just yes. in case I got the chance to kiss this woman. One day, y'all, one day. But one I'm day it'll saying. happen. One day you will kiss Elizabeth Gilbert. Someday that is absolutely going to happen. No, I love that. You know, and I love that you you buy it so completely. I totally and I'm like, buy it. you know, and here's the thing, like I believe it. Like I believe it. You know, mm-hmm. but I don't like a but part of me is like, oh come on. You no. Know? <laughs> like, I I buy it. With a ridiculous amount of ridiculousness. No, like, I, I think all it's in. great. I think it's great. <laughs> but I love this thing on page 56 where she was talking about, like, I could have thought about this in a number of ways and had I been in a mood to ruin my life. You know, <laughs> I love yeah. the way that she did that. But on yeah. page 56, she says, people convince themselves that they have been robbed when they have not, in fact, been robbed. Such thinking comes from a wretched allegiance to the notion of scarcity, from the belief that the world is a place of dearth and that there will never be enough of anything to go around. And that passage for me was so huge because we talk about the choice between narratives, right? Going back to Rising Strong, what is the story that you're telling yourself? Right. Right. And here she goes through all of the stories she could have chosen. Right. Mm -hmm. But she chose the story that was best for her and for Anne and for their friendship. And I love that. I love that. You know, I I look at the alternate narratives that I have available to me based on the things that have happened. Right. And I almost always without fail choose the one that reflects poorest on me, that is worst for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she chose to believe in magic and abundance and to be grateful for her part in it, you right. know? And I look at that and I think, you have a choice. You can choose to see things in the most positive, wonderful way. And the thing is, is that reality is malleable. It really is. Like, okay, global warming, climate change, that's a fucking thing that's science. Shut up, right? But there are (laughs) certain things. There are ways that you can look at the world. There are ways that you can choose to read, you know, the stuff that comes at you that is open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. And you can read it in a way that diminishes you, or you can read it in a way that supports and loves you. And what I love about Elizabeth Gilbert is that she always chooses the way that supports and loves her. And that is a skill I want yeah. to build. That is something I want to learn from this woman. Because here in this moment, she had a choice between a bunch of narratives, a lot of which were going to do nothing but hurt her and hurt her friendship and hurt Anne, right? She chose to believe in magic. And on page 57, she says, this was the closest I've ever felt to sorcery. And I wasn't about to waste that amazing experience by playing small. And that's what that is. When we choose the narrative that reflects worst on us, that is worst for us, we're playing small. We're saying, I don't have the strength to survive the possible magic here. I don't have the strength to be that thing, right? So I am going to choose to believe in a narrative that diminishes me and diminishes the people around me because there's a sense of safety in that. And I have to say that like this week, that passage, I think changed my life. You know, I think I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I am done playing small. I am done pretending that everything has to be read in its most negative context so that I won't be unhappily surprised because the thing is I have done that and I've been most unhappily surprised by my life in the last year. So what was I doing? What did I get for myself? Absolutely nothing. I protected myself from nothing. So I look at that and I think like, you know, there was a time not too long ago in one of these episodes where I told you that you were playing small, you know, and I think I recognize that because I do it too. You Mm. know, I mean, I do that too. And I think it's, it's time to stop doing that it's time to open ourselves up to the magic and the wonder and the awe that is available to us if we only choose to see it it's about opening I mean it really is and but I think it's interesting the line she draws between our view and our relationship toward creativity Mm -hmm. and our view and our relationship towards love I see love as a season and not something to be bounded in a contract. Mm -hmm. And I think if you see creativity in that way, if it is free to visit you, it is free to exit you, Mm -hmm. but that means there's choice on both sides. And the magic comes from the choosing of being chosen and choosing back. Mm -hmm. And that's how magic works. But if you try to lock it down and own it and get you know, growly if anyone else comes near it, Mm -hmm. you're not loving it, you're owning it. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much everything she says resonates with me. I'm good. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I liked it. It was good. So, okay, now we're at this point in the in the podcast. What was your big aha moment? So my big aha moment was also on page 57 mm-hmm. when she talked about feeling close to sorcery. She said, ideas are alive. Ideas do seek the most available human collaborator. Ideas do have a conscience will. Ideas do move from soul to soul. And ideas will always try to seek the swiftest and most efficient conduit to earth, just as lightning does. Oh, yeah. Sweet God in the morning. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this lit up my heart, lightning in my soul. Mm -hmm. God, this woman can write. I know. (laughs) I mean, wow. And she's so open. Like, I love that she says all of these things without apology and without worrying what anybody's going to think about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's just amazing. Um, I do too. Yeah. Her bravery is is astounding. Yeah, it is. So what about you? What was your big idea? God, I got to say, it was all that. You know, it was was the choice of realities. And again, Mm -hmm. like, this is the kind of stuff that, like it's about creativity. It's about all this stuff. And it's very valuable in that context. But for me, it's God, what would my life be like if I chose to live in the reality that benefited me, that made me the strongest, you know, that, that was good for me. Um, and I, I look at it like I've, I've, I'm the match girl with my face pressed up against the window, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I look at it like that, like, oh, my God, wouldn't that be amazing if I could do that? But the I, I this idea has opened up to me and I'm trying to look at my life in the way that best reflects on me and that benefits me the most, you know, and that is good to me. Um, and so that's kind of where I am right now. I'm looking at this and I'm like, I want to approach my life the way that Elizabeth Gilbert approaches her life. And I'm going to be reading this book and watching the YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff because she has this unapologetic way of saying, yes, this is, this is the best thing for me. This is how I want to look at my life. This is how I want to see things for me. You know, I want to view this sorcery instead of viewing it as robbery, you know, Um, and that's the kind of thing that I want to do. I want to stop playing small in that way. And I find it incredibly inspiring. So for me, that was like the, the big thing in this chapter that really spoke to me. Baby, you are the farthest thing possible from small. (laughs) I have called you a mythic heroine before, and I am not fucking kidding around with that. Like, I don't think it's a matter of you pressing your face against the glass. I think it's a matter of you looking in the mirror. It's a matter of me being kind to myself. That's what it is. It's not the, you know, and and in that way, I do play small. Like, I think that when it comes to extending myself outward to other people and to trying to encourage them to do the things that they want to do and encourage them to do their creativity, like, all of this is great, you know? Like, a lot of the stuff that Elizabeth Gilbert says, I have said to my students, you know, I have, she and I are thinking, exactly, it is how she treats herself that is so different from how I treat myself. And in that way, I really am playing small because I'm so unkind to myself because I'm afraid of the fall should I take a moment to think that I might not be the world's worst person, the world's biggest loser? Like, you know, should I take a moment and see magic instead of blame and shame and all of that kind of stuff? Like, that's how I play small. 
I protect myself by presuming the worst about myself so that I'm not later disappointed in myself. And she has so much generosity and kindness. Like I've had generosity in the way that I viewed other people. And that has been my downfall in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but I haven't had generosity in the way that I view myself. And she has that generosity with everything. She extends that to other people and she extends it to herself. And that is what I want to do. Well, honey, I hope you take more than a moment. (laughs) I hope you take the rest of your life Mm -hmm. because that's what you deserve. Oh, thank you. It's just, it's, it's, it was an eye opener to see, to see it exhibited the way that she exhibits it without apologizing for saying, yeah, I deserve this. Right. Like, I love that about her. Well, and that's the thing about Vic Magic, because the whole time we were in Rising Strong and we were, you know, rumbling with life and all stuff, like, it was like, okay, well, here comes this reprieve on creativity. Right. And when I first read the book, that's what I thought it was. But the truth is, this is as much about life as it is about creativity. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Because your life and your creativity are intertwined. The way that you engage with your creativity reflects the way that you engage with your life. Right. You know, so, yeah, I just think it's like there's so much in this book that is is giving me like rising strong gave me an understanding of it, looking directly at it. And I feel like big magic is giving me a how to like this is an example of how yeah. you live your life when you're living wholehearted, you know, Um, and wholehearted is not just about like, you know, opening yourself up to other people and being kind to other people and being respectful of them. It's like, it's about treating yourself the way that you would treat other people. It's about that balance and trying to find that like this past week, I really have been trying to think about what is it that I want you know, not to the exclusion, not to the pain of other people, right. you know, um, but, but without worrying about, like, I will put other people's mild convenience up against something that, that actually would be really good for me. You know, like if it would mildly inconvenience somebody else, I won't ask for it. I won't do it, you know? And I think that there needs to be more of a balance in that. And I'm just like, she is exhibiting to me how to do it you know like in order for me to learn anything I have to have I have to have an example in front of me I have to see how it's done sure, and I am do. seeing rising strong in big magic me too yeah it's me pretty too. cool so what was your strong challenge what did you resist this week nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing I didn't push back on any of this uh-huh I fell into this reading like a deep magic wishing well kind of oh, falling love it. with great joy all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> and I completely believe in the Gilbert Patrick magic kiss. I love it. Totally on board. <laughs> but I resisted my own reflection this week mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hard. I worried about sounding ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But we're all about courage here, so fuck that very much. <laughs> Good for you. I shared the thing. <laughs> Good for you. But, you know, while this new image of this dark and lyrical fingerprint and the idea of a wave story and the rediscovered love of poetry and this intentional joy seeking through music are such wonderful things, it feels like holding water in my cupped hands. Yeah. They could slip away from me. And if they fall away, I will grieve for the loss of them. So I went back and listened to last week's episode and, you know, there comes a point that you just have to laugh at yourself because last week I said, 
over and over as we do when we are hard headed and in <laughs> denial that I don't fear creativity. Mm-hmm. But I've realized that the truth is I'm not afraid of reuniting with creativity, but I'm terrified of losing it. All right. So I'm all in with romancing my creativity, but the vulnerability and potential for grief required for this are massive. And I can't help fear in a fall. Mm -hmm. You know, we know how to ride strong and I'm strong enough to get back up. But if I'm really being honest, I don't want this kind of fall. Yeah. No, it's hard. It really is. And I mean, to it's one thing to know how to get back up. You know, it's one thing to have the skill set to get back up. Falling and getting back up is so hard. Every single time it is so hard. And it feels like when you look at it, you know, from a distance, it feels like it's easier not to risk the fall at all. But I don't don't think that's true. I don't think it is easier. And I think that's why you are so called to it. You know, why it keeps coming back to you. Because the same way that, you know, when you whistle, your creativity will come. Like Mm -hmm. your creativity whistles for you. Yeah. And I think that you can feel it and you can feel that pull, but there is, you know, if you engage in the dance, there's a chance you're going to fall, but the only option is to, to sit. And I think it is requiring a certain amount of courage for mm-hmm. me to even admit that I want to dance. Yeah. Because it also makes me feel ridiculous. Like I know I am going on a slick dance floor and I'm going to bust my ass so, like, right. <laughs> it is beyond all reason. Like, why, why, why would I do that? Because I know even when you dance and you fall, it's better than not dancing at all. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down yeah. to is I can ignore it and I can deny it. But if the truth of it is, I want to dance. You'd rather dance. And I think yeah. that you should. Because the thing is, there, there are things that you, you can't predict that happen when you get out there to dance. There are things that happen that you cannot imagine. Until you put yourself out there, until you do it, until you get in the arena. Oh, oh my God. The arena is a dance floor. It is. Wow. That just hit me like, (laughs) (laughs) that just hit me like a ton of grit. Oh my. Oh my. (laughs) The arena is not a boxing ring. The arena is a dance floor. Oh, holy smokes. Oh my. Well, there you I'm go. I'm keeping that. Yeah. <laughs> I Absolutely. like that idea. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you? What did you resist? Oh, God. You know, and basically, we already discussed it. Just this idea that, like, oh, yes. And the idea was transferred in a kiss. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those stories that is just so perfect, you know, that to, to buy it just, you know, just because they said so. It, it feels weird to me and I resist it. But the thing is that like, I like that story mm-hmm. and I want to, in this moment, choose the narrative that is best for me. And the narrative that is best for me is that this is exactly a true and faithful accounting of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're resisting this without really resisting this. <laughs> Great. It's exactly the kind of thing that I love. It's the kind of story that I love. But I'm like, oh, come on. Like, that really happened. But you know what? Yeah, I believe that it did. I don't believe that Elizabeth Gilbert would make this up. Yeah. You know, too. so so <laughs> I'm good. All right. So what's your yes for this week? What are you going to do? I'm going to keep practicing the piano. Mm-hmm. Badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm going to sleep with some more poets. Oh, good for you. Um, yeah. Instead of trying to go wide with the joy list and adding more things, I'm just going to keep going deeply. I like it. You know, it's like a long-term project to yeah. be cultivated and nurtured. Mm-hmm. So for now, it's all about music and poems. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> what about you? What's your yes? What's your action for this week? I want to get back into the novel. I want to keep Good. doing that. I want to keep making time for that as I can. Um, and uh, and here's the thing. Like, you were talking about how you want to sing, right? But you can't sing. <laughs> And yeah. I want to sing. I love singing. I love singing. I have heard you sing. You can sing. I cannot. Yes, you can. I cannot sing. Yes, no, you I'm, can. I'm dreadful at it. Um, but uh, but I love singing. And I think that you and I should learn how to sing. I think that we should. <laughs> like, there's, everything's on YouTube, right? There's a class on There's a class. There has to be an online class okay. that we can take so... where we can learn how to sing. Here's the thing. Yeah. First of all. You snuck this into the show notes I before did. I had a chance to read it. <laughs> because here's what you don't know. Yes. <laughs> I said to someone last night, I want to learn how to sing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think we should I, do it. Like, I, <laughs> I think there are limitations of the human vocal cords, and I have them. No, so I no, don't I don't know. believe that. I don't believe that. Yes, I believe that there is a limitation to everybody's, you know, talent or whatever. But I firmly believe, like, because the thing is that, like, I like to sing. I have never, like, and I don't have any, like, I've never had any musical training at all. I've never done anything musical. I played the piano, like, self-taught. I've done everything in my life self-taught. Everything I've ever done, I'm self-taught. Um, <laughs> I did some piano stuff self-taught when I was a kid you know um but like I don't know music I don't understand music I don't understand like people who like can hear a note and be like oh that's middle c like that is yeah. so beyond my comprehension I can't even imagine that like I am so not like you are far more connected to music than I am I am not a music person but I love to sing and there are things that you can do like I'll never be a great singer but Mm -hmm. I could learn to control my breath or or you know learn some some things that I can do do exercises there there are things that I can do to make my singing not just like an unlistenable caterwauling like there are things that I can do right (laughs) So I want to, I want to do it. And I think you and I should do it together. I think you and I should find an online singing course that we can take together and we should do it. Okay. First of all, I'm going to give you points for double dog daring me publicly in a podcast because girl, you're a badass because I can't fucking say no to that. No, you can't. (laughs) We can edit it out. It's not live. I am not singing on this podcast. Oh, yes, you will. Yes, you will. At the end Maybe. of year of yes, we're going to sing a song. <laughs> no, I am not. At the end of year of yes, I we're going to sing. Not. We're going to harmonize. <laughs> Here's the thing. See, we're going to sing a song. And if it's terrible, it's terrible. So what? We're okay. going to sing with joy. And oh. we're going to get on the dance floor. And we're going to do our thing. And right, if it's awful, it's awful. I'm going to say this. Yeah. First of all. You know I'm a woman who holds my breath. Like, I have been struggling with this since we started. Yeah. This is going to kill me. No, you'll do it. It'll be great. Second of all, payback is a bitch. Yeah. So you just wait. Oh, no. That's fine. (laughs) Until you see what I slip into show notes for All right. (laughs) That's fine. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I kind of love this about you. Yeah. Like, you're... (laughs) 
The notorious Lonnie Dionysus, yes, ladies right. and gentlemen. <laughs> I'll sing. I'll sing. I don't care. I mean, I have sung terribly in public before. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. I think we should do it. I think we should do a harmony. I think it'll be fun. Wow. <laughs> Just when I thought I was getting comfortable with podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, every week we close with a quote, and this week is my week, so I got to choose one. I chose Vincent Van Gogh, who said, If you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all.